0: what attribute of God has been an anchor for you in the last week, in the last month, maybe the last year? What attribute of God? Just call it out and say, this is the attribute that has been my anchor. I'd like to begin with this focus because we have to see the potency and the greatness of our God. Mercy, God's mercy, his sovereignty. Aren't you glad God is in control? He is not pacing over anything. Faithfulness, love, goodness, presence. presence. What a promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Forgiveness. Where would we be? were it not for the amazing mercy of God. I like Romans 8, starts with no condemnation, ends with no separation. We don't like the middle of that chapter because it involves suffering. But thank the Lord, no condemnation, no separation. Two more. He's providing. Jehovah Jireh. Especially in a generation that knows only Jehovah Visa. A lady said, I'm... I've not heard of Jehovah Beast. I said, he's in your purse. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. I get it. And uh, how we need to see the providing hand of God. One more. Grace. Strength? Grace. Oh, grace. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I would like to have my wife wave her hand back there, sitting on daughter and son-in-law. My wife, Charlene, uh, she has, we have been married 114 years, I believe. Uh, she's been married 57, I've been married 57, so I said, Wh- whatever that is, you f- you figure it out from there. But thank the Lord for a faithful partner as we have uh, gone into the trench to serve the Lord. Thank you, Dr. Horn. I, when he asked me if I would... Speak Sunday, I said, No, someone with a no measurable brainwave trying to get into this pulpit is not going to work. And especially with the feeding that you get so regularly. I'm so thankful for Sam and Beth. They have been a model for us um, in faithfulness, going through the deepest of trials and yet standing, uh, I remember the cancer battle and how God, how many people were saved through that, through her cancer battle. And uh, and what have, I'm very humble to be standing here, Sam. I I mean that sincerely, and feel very undeserving. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. My thesis question is: How do we live our Christian apologetic? in a world that is going at a breakneck speed away from God's absolute truth? How do we live our Christian apologetic in a world that is going at a breakneck speed away from God's absolute truth? And I think we see the answer. I know Habakkuk went through that battle. God, can't you see what's happening are you going to use a more wicked people than we are to judge us? And God said to Habakkuk, yes, it's going to get worse in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. And he said, I will deal with the wicked in my way and in my time, but the just shall live by his faith. That statement is three times in the New Testament, once in our salvation, once in our sanctification, once in our ultimate glorification. The just shall live by his faith. And I want to pick one character from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that models that situation, and that character is Noah. I want us to read verse 7 of Hebrews 11 by faith. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Note the phrase by faith is like parenthesis on either side of that verse and in the middle of it is packed with truth for us how to live our apologetic in this dark world. How do we apply that? Now, what was the context in which Noah lived? Do you remember Genesis chapter 6? The wickedness of man was great in all the earth and that all of the thoughts of man was only evil continually. And another phrase in violence filled the earth. Darkness and violence that came and filled the earth. And just turn quickly to First Peter, First Peter chapter 3, and I want to notice the, uh, just a hint of the context of Noah's time. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 18, For Christ hath also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God bring being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit then it continues by the which meaning the holy spirit of god by the which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison what spirits which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was in preparation. What was going on on the earth while Noah was in that hundred years of ark preparation? There was such wickedness on some of these angels, they literally had to be chained. And I think when the maniac of Gadara, the demons cried out, don't send us before our time, I believe they were referring to potentially being sent to this place the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Then go to 2 Peter chapter th- 3 or chapter 2. And uh, we'll see in verse 4. We'll see another hint of the context of, of Noah's scenario. 2 Peter 2 4 for if God spared not the angels that sin. These were those angels who were very present actively in demonic activity, but cast them to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. That's how wicked these people were during Noah's time. These angels were so wicked, God could not even allow them any longer to function on the earth and delivered them to chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world But save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of ungodliness. And then he goes on to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah turning into ashes. So when we look at Hebrews 11 and verse 7, when we see by faith Noah, that was a hint of the context in which he lived. We think we face hard times now. We face nothing Like Noah faced, there are as we meet here this morning, there are millions of Christians meeting in assemblies just like this across the United States. We have so many to whom we can turn for prayer. We have so many who have the same heartbeat that we have. And yes, we get disappointed at what we see and what we hear. God has not moved. He has not been out of control. yet we see how then should we live? Let's let's look quickly at this verse. By faith, Noah being warned of God. In that phrase, I see the word of God as the basis of Noah's faith. What is the basis of our faith? Now, when we hold the word of God up, perhaps we are being perceived perhaps as a little bit dumb, maybe a little bit ignorant a little bit of weak that we have to have a crutch to lean on. However, we are perceived, but Noah acted upon the word of God. God said it. He did not have a Bible on his lap. God spoke directly to Noah, and it was God's word that became directly the reference point for how Noah acted. What's Romans 10, 17? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. When you go out to give the gospel, and the bottom line comes, there is only one way to heaven. How are you perceived? Very narrow. How do we know that's true? The word of God, John fourteen six. Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me." So when you go out, you go out and give a gospel tract and testify with confidence that Jesus Christ is the only way. How do we know that? By the Word of God. It's flying into New York. Uh, quite some years ago and I was talking to a businessman sitting next to me and very gracious guy and he said well the way I see it he said I think there's one God and I think there's one destiny that all of us will have and ultimately we will all eventually get there and he said for example we're flying to New York he said, We're in the airplane. Some are going by car, some by boat, some are driving, some will walk across the bridge into New York. But by the end of the day, we'll all get there. And I said, What a wonderful illustration. I said, But I didn't ask you if you died today, would you go to New York? Can you imagine? Sir, if you died today, would you go to Fallerville? Or to Greenville? (laughs) You don't ask that. No, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, yeah, I think so. No, what do you go? You go back to the word of God that gives the clear gospel, and that is the only way. Narrow? Yes, narrow. But it is truth. That was the operation. Noah acted on the word of God. He had no other basis to go on. No other evidence to go on. And when he acted and walked in those ways and in that way, it was very obvious. Secondly, we see a phrase, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, the next phrase, moved with fear. In that phrase, I see worship. I don't believe when God spoke to Noah that Noah cowered in fear. When we look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29, we see three faces of fear. And I believe uh, the, when we see that God was talking to Moses and said, Moses, oh, that there was a heart in them that they would fear me, that they might keep my commandments that it might be well with them. So Deuteronomy five twenty-nine to me has three faces of fear. Or oh, that they would fear me, that is, that they would see the awesomeness of who I am. That's why when we worship, we worship the awesomeness of his character. That it, they would keep my commandments. So in the second part of fear is the obedience of his commands. Then the third part of that fear is realization of consequences. But I think in this context, Noah was not cowering in fear. I think he was held in such awe of the God who spoke to him, held in such awe of the God who had given him the commands. I think Noah was worshiping in a true spirit of response to the nature and the character of his God. He'd never lost sight of that. That's why I always like to begin with, who is our God? Is our God worthy of praise. Ever find yourself just worshipping by yourself? I remember of course when we lived ninety miles north of Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh air gets a nip in it sometimes in January and February. And not the kind of nips you had here, this is t shirt weather that we've had here. Thirty degrees, how oh, sissy in the winter time. Some of you you don't know, like that. Well, we, we heated with an outdoor wood boiler, 190-gallon water tank, and, and we'd go through 20 full cords of uh, wood every winter, full cords, not face cords. And I would get up uh, early in the morning because the stove would be hungry after a night of burning, and then I'd go out there about 5.30. First thing I would do, however, is put the coffee pot going And you know what that is. You tease your because I don't know how to help you. I'd load that stove and when it's 20 below zero actual temperature the sky is just like sparkling diamonds. You feel like you could almost reach up and grab the stars and I would load that stove I would close that door and put the latch down and I would turn back to the house and I'd look up And i just throw my arms in the air. What an awesome God. That's personal worship. We have congregational worship. Yes, you come. But there are times when you just realize, you throw your arms up in praise and awe and adoration of the God who just spoke and the one who cried, Father, forgive them. Spoke and all this happened. Yet he is our savior and our friend. It's unbelievable. As I told folks at the Wild, enough to make a Presbyterian take a running fit. And uh, when you stop to see the awesomeness of God. Worship comes. So that was the expression of Noah's faith. The word was the basis of his faith. Worship was the expression of his faith. And worship, I think, is the cry by the redeemed to the redeemer about the redemption. I think a good way for us to define worship and praise, we do it by the redeemed to the redeemer about the redemption. Worship, that's why we have to have our hearts prepared as the songs of worship are sung and we lift up our hearts in praise and awe and adoration to the one who loves us. Now number three, Noah being warned of God, that's the word of God, the basis of his faith, moved with fear, the worship of God, the expression of his faith. Now we see prepared, that verb, prepared in our, in that word I see work. That is the activity of Noah's faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could worship buildings down? And we just, we need a, we need property. And we need buildings. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just walk around in awe and a building would come out of the sky? Oh, we hate that next phrase, work. Work in a generation that is really struggling with that concept. Work ethic. Charlene and I travel we just came from San Francisco. We just came Colorado. Every place you drive. We drove from northern Wisconsin down here to Greenville last week. Every place you go. Help wanted. Hiring. Help wanted. Hiring. We went to a Burger King drive through to get breakfast sandwiches closed till noon. No workers. I'm thinking, is Burger King that bad or is the whole situation that bad? Work ethic. I remember those of you, I've run into some Northland grads here this morning and you remember when we met 7 o'clock in the morning when you came in as a freshman and I said, you're going to learn a work ethic. Some of you didn't know the sun came up slowly. Way up in the sky when you used to get up. Now it's... What's that big orange thing asking your RA? That's the sun way over there. I, I don't get it. And I said, you're so lazy. You think Manuel Labour is the president of Mexico. And I said, you have, you're going to learn a different concept here completely. Work. You know, if only we could worship everything done. We just came from Gitchigumi Bible Camp, way in the very tip of northern Michigan, my home area. Wonderful winters. They have only 300 to 350 inches of snow every year. Just so wonderful. You get up and you realize you start your work with snow, and that's how you're going to deal all winter long. But we sat at Gitche Bible Camp and I knew Big Chief who founded 1929 and the camp began in 1930. And Chief, Big Chief Raider, godly, godly man. I'm so glad we were unsaved kids when we, when we were connected and he would have us come down and work. He said, boys, come back. I'm going to show you something. And he said, I'm going to show you where God had a." place for me to meet with him. We went back in this cedar grove and, and he said, this was the spot where God burdened me to start Kichigumi Bible Camp. And he said, this is my meeting place with him. And it, we were on snowshoes going back in there because he'd take us rabbit hunting after we would clean the snow off the roofs two times a year we'd have to go and clean the, the deep snow off those, those roofs. And, and yet when we come out of that there was a huge tabernacle how did that tabernacle get there? It didn't fall out of the sky while he was at his meeting place with God. You know what happened? Plans had to be made, workers had to be hired. You had to roll up your sleeves and get to work. And as God is working at Palmetto Baptist Church, all of you who have contributed so greatly to see even setting up chairs, these chairs didn't fall because you just worshiped them. <laughs> Everything is in line of who, isn't that a blessing? We don't have to mess with anything, just do this. And uh, no, it's a little more involved <clears throat> than that work. Well, I'm not gonna park there. It gets way too quiet. And uh, and so next, before we come to the close of these last two points prepared an ark for the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. Note that phrase. How did Noah condemn the world? We do find out that he was a preacher of righteousness. In this word, I see the witness of Noah, which was the evidence of his faith. And you know, we function well in the world And we intermingle well with the world. We establish friendships with the world. And you know, the world doesn't mind Christian evidences. For example, if you point out this prophecy was made and this happened, they say, well, that's kind of neat. You talk about excavations that are going on. A lot of unregenerate people doing excavations, discovering things that are evidences of the Christian faith. There's no offense in that. The offense to the world is when you enter Christian apologetics. And when Christian apologetics come, which is a defense, a systematic defense of things that offend the rational mind, the resurrection, the inspiration of Scripture, the rational mind is offended by the virgin birth. They don't mind Christian evidences. But when you come, what Noah was doing here was living not just evidences because there were no evidences what he said was coming. But what he was doing was giving his Christian apologetic that was offensive to the rational minds at that time, and what did he do? He preached righteousness. I'm sure Noah had, I'm sure people liked Noah. He had to have been a likable person. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be likable, but not necessarily liking the words that come out of that likable mouth. And so I'm sure there were some who came to Noah, and I'm I'm only imagining this, and said, Noah, you're not, people aren't hearing you. I mean, how long have you been doing this, pal? How many have heard you and changed? And Noah said, Well, I, don't know. I know what God told me to do. Well, there's a group over here called the Nile River Nine. Get them in, at least get the crowd liking you. Noah, you know what he did? Preach righteousness. Preach righteousness. Preach righteousness. Repent. God loves you with a perfect love. God's truth is truth. Judgment is coming. In that witness. I was coming back from Dominican Republic. I think I I I think I was done with Sam and a few other guys. And I was coming alone back to Miami, Florida. And uh, <clears throat> I got on a plane. I was in 2C. And uh, then... A guy got on the plane. He was so huge he almost filled that opening where you know where the door comes in, and and he sat in one seat right in front of me. And I thought this guy is huge. I thought he's professional something. I'm going to talk to him. Maybe I don't know professional. I know he's professional something. You can't be that big and not be professional. Maybe a food tester or something. (laughs) And I thought I'm going to engage him in conversation when we get airborne toward Detroit. And uh, after we got up and leveled off, he this huge guy began witnessing to the man in 1D, right there on the bulkhead. I said, this guy's a believer. So I listened, and the guy in 1D got out of his seat by the bulkhead, he opened his bin, pulled his briefcase out, sat back down, opened his briefcase, and I was looking through the Cracks in the seat there and his briefcase was packed with material on Islam. And this guy took this huge man on tooth and toenail. You Christians don't know the Bible. You don't know what you believe. We know the Koran. We know what we believe. And the big guy just graciously responded and kept going with the gospel, kept the witness. I thought when we get to Detroit, I'm gonna thank him for being so gracious and diligent. So we got in, in the uh, airport in Detroit, and I got up. I, we got into the terminal, and I said, Thank you for witnessing to that guy. He, I used to be taller, but he got married and settled down. But I, I, uh, I looked up at him. He said, I'm mad. He said, how many Christians in the United States of America sitting in our churches every single Sunday morning would have the courage to speak up for their faith like that Muslim had to take me on? How many, he said. And this man was James Henderson. At that time in Guinness Book of World Records, he was on record as the strongest man in the world. And you know what he as a millionaire, you know what he was doing? Gave his life to go and preach. He said, I'm going to Kentucky. I'm preaching in churches and public high schools. I'm doing lifting demonstrations. He's by himself, lifting demonstrations. I think he was bench pressing an unbelievable amount, but whatever it was, nobody nobody had had done more. He'd take his big six-city phone books Remember the Remember the, Remember, you young people don't know what a phone book is. Sorry, well, they, they used to do like you. I have a phone number. They put it in a book. In a bigger city, they had real thick books. Well, he would take these thick books, tear these thick books. I, I did Dunbars, four pages. I I had to have four of them to light the fireplace, and so that was no power move. That was no power demonstration. I can guarantee you. And he said this, we better wake up. You could Google James Henderson. You could see. He's probably still very evident if you Googled his his website. You know what he was doing? He was giving his Christian apologetic. There is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, the witness of Noah's faith. You know, he had a point. How many Christians, how many Christians sitting comfortably in our Bible-preaching churches Sunday after Sunday would have the courage to speak up? And then let me close with the wages we see moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now we see the wages that he earned and the reward. This was the reward of Noah's faith. After 120 years, God says, Noah, enter thou and thy family into the ark. I mean, can you imagine what was going on with the people in the town? I don't know if McDonald's has opened inside yet or not. I think the reason many of this world had gotten in such a mess when COVID came, the experts couldn't meet as a group in McDonald's anymore. Early in the morning, the experts would meet from about seven to nine and almost every single world problem would get solved. At least when you listen, they thought they were solving world problems. But they had their hats on the back of their head. You can tell them when they're retired, the bill is way back going to work before it was all straight down, all business. And you listen to them. What if I was president? But he says, you president? You barely made it at Chrysler. Give me a break. And you hear all these discussions? I get so tickled. I'd sit over aside side and listen to these experts. But can you imagine what was going on in Hebrews coffee shop? And Noah started bringing these beams in, bales of pitch, hiring. How many locals had to be hired? And they're saying, "What's what's going on?" That no, I went to talk to Noah yesterday. One expert says, and you know what he told me? He told me that God told him the world was going to be covered in water, and get on that thing he's building, and you're going to be. Everyone's going to be okay. No, you go ask him. Next day, No, he's, he kind of saddles up. To, no, I said, "No, just what's happening here? God told me judgment is coming. He has given the world 120 years, God told me, and we're starting to run low on that. And uh, yes, the world's going to be covered in water, and judgment's coming. He goes, he said, Did not told me the same thing. How would you like to have been Noah's boys in school? Shem, you going to play soccer? No, I'm going to help dad with the ark. Ten-year reunion comes. Ham, boy, you're looking in good shape. What have you been doing? I've been helping dad with the ark. Fifty-year reunion comes. Japheth, man, you're looking good. Now they're all success, they're, Now they're doctors and they're lawyers and their kids are all successful. And and here's Japheth and Shem and and they're they look pretty. I mean, you shake hands, you know they've been working. And the, what have you all been up to? Oh, I've been helping Dad with the ark there. I know your dad was on that kick when you were in high school. I remember you guys couldn't play sports. Of course this is my imagination. Hundred year reunion comes. Survivors wobble in and ham Oh you what have you been up to? I've been pitching in over there. Giving Dad a hand. Still at that, isn't he? What a nut. What was he operating on? God said it. And he knew it was true. Can you imagine when the animals started coming? And can you imagine when God said, Noah, get you and your family into the ark? And then a uh, seven-day wait, and then God shut the door. I'm sure there were still mockers. Noah! Ever notice when people mock, something they're gargling? Noah! Why'd you get around? Hardy har hardy har 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 hard clunk. This is weird. Rumble from beneath and moisture from above and Dr. Horn has had way more Hebrew than probably most of us here. And I think the Hebrew word there is uh oh. That nut was right. And you know what? The reward of Noah's faith. Enter thou and thy household into the ark, by the which he saved his house and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. There have never been two plans of salvation, it has always been by grace through faith. There have never been two plans of salvation. I think we need to come to understand that we who are alive in this generation to live our Christian apologetic, we need to be living that Christian apologetic in such a way with a firmness and with a compassion and a Holy Spirit filling that our hearts just ache for a lost world. When my wife and I were in San Francisco just two, three weeks ago, and we lived, we stayed right downtown in a hotel right below Hamilton Square Baptist, and. And we would go out and the street people in the tents and tent cities and all down into those districts, street after street after street, and people evidently dying in the street. They were paying men who would be women women to get willing to get in hazmat suits, paying them over 100,000 a year just to clean up after the street people. And Charlene said, "Just think, that someone's brother, someone's sister. One day, every one of them was held by a mom in an, in cradled in arms, or a nurse cradled in arms as a tiny little baby. Now we see them writhing their last breath, as we saw one man, died in the street." How can that help but not throw you into a compassionate spirit? And I would ask prayer God we're going back out there in in uh between the Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, they want me to come back and preach that entire week. As they're inviting these people to come in, and others in that area, they said the church normally gets packed with the visitors who come in during that time. And you know what? To try to give them the love of Christ, which is perfect, which is unchangeable. The only thing that can change. Only thing that can change a heart to change a life. And if you have a privilege, please put that on a prayer list because that's a dark, you're sticking your neck into Satan's territory. You cannot go in the arm of the flesh. It scares me. But if you would think of that and do what Paul says, you know, Paul says, I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished my course. They're all perfect tenses there. Paul never said, I attained perfection. I have been fighting. I have been finishing. I have been keeping. He said, I stayed faithful to the end, knowing within hours or perhaps a few days, his head would roll there outside of Rome. He knew that. And yet his testimony was his baccalaureate address, I have been fighting. I have been finishing. I have been keeping. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. This is what Noah found, the reward, the wage of obeying God's absolute truth. And what an opportunity we have. What an opportunity you have as Palmetto Baptist Church to go with the gospel. Think this week. Just If if we were to meet here one year from now on this identical Sunday of the month, and you'll say, by God's grace, I'm going to win one person who does not know Christ, I'm gonna win one person this year and begin to mentor that one person and he would be or she would be sitting next to you one year from now. Would that make a difference in your church, your spirit? You know, when cries of newborns in the nursery have a tremendous impact on a church, and I'm talking newborn souls because we all, if every one of, we all need a Paul in our life who is a pattern. We all need a pal who is a, a one who, with whom we can fellowship. And we all need a project, which is a Timothy. So we need a Paul and, and we need a Titus and we need a Timothy. Because the Timothy draws us out of myself to pour into someone else. And what a difference. If every one of us would take that on One year from now, one year from now, by God's grace, someone, you said one in a year, that's not much of a goal. Maybe that's one more than you did last year. You see, we have the truth. Let's not curse the darkness. Let's show the light. Father, have your way in our hearts, God. Do what only you can do to change us. Thank you for the precious truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.